I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Well, there's no easy way to say this, so I think I'll just shout it at some strangers. My butt's been wiped. It's high noon for Monday, July 26th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. And the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. And if for some reason your browser does not let you get there, just go direct by typing in shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 187th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You all are so smart. And so responsible that you won't believe anything without evidence. The only problem is you have no idea what evidence is. And you have no idea when people are tricking you by talking about evidence. And I'm going to try to help you clear all of this up just real briefly. But I'm not entirely sure it's going to work. Because the truth is, you only believe something has evidence to it if Rachel Maddow or Jake Tapper tell you so. And don't pretend that's not the standard. Honestly, I think we're all getting way past that. There is no chance in the world that all you commies would have any doubts about election fraud if it was Jake Tapper and Rachel Maddow telling you about it rather than Mike Lindell. So stop pretending that you have debunked things and stop pretending that there's no evidence of election fraud. The evidence is everywhere and it is overwhelming. You are relying on the assumption that the media finally started telling the truth about something, even though you know they lie to you all the time. But because they say it, because they say, oh, these are baseless claims, there is no evidence, this has been thoroughly debunked. You assume, well, Jake Tapper seems like a pretty serious guy. He's very clearly spoken. He wears suits. He has a big blue check mark on Twitter. And my goodness, people sure seem to like him. So he's probably telling the truth. When he says it's been debunked, well, if he hasn't debunked it himself, and I guess, you know, if I'm honest, I've never actually seen Jake Tapper debunk anything himself. But if he hasn't done it, I'm sure that he must have read 
a very strong debunking by a very serious person who definitely dug into it. I mean, come on. If you're not going to trust Jake Tapper to do the homework, who can you trust? Well, the thing is, Kami, Jake Tapper didn't do the homework. Jake Tapper is repeating the slogans, just like you are. And Jake Tapper didn't write the slogans. He's getting those from someone else. Just like you are. That's how propaganda works, Kami. It's not a hard concept, honestly. You know they shut the vote count down on election night. You do know that. You saw it happen. You remember it. And you do know that there were statistically impossible spikes that happened in the middle of the night so that you woke up thinking, wow, I thought Trump had it in the bag, but it turns out Biden made a comeback. What could it have been? Oh, it was the mail-in ballots? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I've been told for weeks. That's exactly what happened. Gosh, Bernie Sanders and all these Democrats, they were so prescient. How did they know? That the initial count would show Trump with a huge win. But then later, we'd read the mail-in ballots, and that would show that Joe Biden won. Wow. They knew the whole time. How? Good question, Kami. How did they know? It's almost like there was a plan. You see, when things that aren't supposed to happen do happen, and those things yield impossible results, that's actually evidence of something going wrong, isn't it? And then when you get thousands of affidavits from poll workers and poll watchers and elections officials who sign their name at penalty of perjury, attesting to the fact that they did see election law being violated over and over again. They saw vans of ballots pulling in in the middle of the night. They saw people running pristine pages with only the presidential vote filled out through the machines over and over and over again. They saw masses of ballots be sent to adjudication where they could be adjudicated in mass In favor of Joe Biden, the poll worker would just simply decide what the voter meant. People saw all those things. That's all evidence. Then they had expert witnesses come in and testify about the statistics and about the machines being vulnerable via the Internet, which is something all the leaders of the Democratic Party said for the four years prior. In fact, They meant it so much that HBO made a documentary about it called Kill Chain, which is actually still on HBO, at least last time I looked a few weeks ago. But you can go watch it. And right there, you'll see, oh, so they did believe that machine fraud was possible a few years ago, but now it's impossible. Well, did they they fix something? No, they didn't fix something. Oh, it's actually worse now. Oh, they actually prove over and over and over again that the machines are vulnerable and are connected to the Internet. Oh, huh. Well, there's still no evidence. 
That is a crazy, crazy thing to have happening in your little commie child brains. Okay. And I know what discomfort that causes you. It has to. You are trying every day to convince yourself that reality has been debunked. It hasn't been. And what a strange, strange response it is to continually assert as a defense that there's no evidence of wrongdoing, right? Imagine this in a relationship, okay? I'm going to speak from the male perspective because I'm a male. And it's not sexist to just simply refer to men rather than women. I don't need to make the opposite choice because that would be ridiculous. And I don't need to ungender the conversation because that's for morons. So you're a guy, okay? If you're not a guy, imagine you were. Or if that makes you uncomfortable, just imagine I said the other thing. It's going to be okay. So you're a guy and you get back from a vacation and you're there with your, your girlfriend or your wife and one of your friends who you were on vacation with puts up a picture from a bar where the guys on the guys trip were hanging out with some girls at the bar. And one of them is smiling at you. Looks like she likes you. And your wife says, hey, what's going on with that girl? And you say, oh, it's just some some girl I met at the bar. Well, did you, you guys were like flirting or what? No, no, just some girl I met at the bar. Then we went home. Nothing's wrong. If that's true, that's how you'd react. Don't get upset. Here's a defense you don't use, right? She's like, hey, I don't believe you. You slept with that girl, didn't you? Did you sleep with her? And you're like, there is no evidence of me sleeping with that girl. There's no evidence of me sleeping with that girl. That is an absolutely baseless claim you're making. There's no evidence that I slept with that girl. No evidence? What do you mean there's no evidence? Okay? That is not a response that a normal person would accept. The question, the answer to the question is yes or no. If you say there's no evidence, what you're really saying is, I'm not going to answer your question, but I am going to tell you that you can't prove it. And if you can't prove it, then you're crazy. And that's what's been happening to us. And we accept that. Well, we don't, but communists accept that. And of course they do. They're in a they're in an abusive relationship with the media. They are continually abused by the media. They are lied to. They are gaslit. They are insulted. They are called racist. And they still hang on to it. They still want the media to tell them everything's okay. And they have to believe the media because their ego and their identity are wrapped up in the narrative the media is spinning being true. They need the media to be right, even while they know the media is lying to them. That's madness. And what's even crazier is 
We're talking about a situation, not like the one I just described in the relationship, but we're talking about a situation where there really is a mountain of evidence all over the place, including the fact that we get censored just for talking about the evidence that in itself is evidence. Do you actually believe that the government is trying to help you? They're trying to just make sure that there's not another very violent insurrection staged by the FBI. Well, they control the FBI, so they can pretty much just control whether or not the FBI has another very violent insurrection. Trying to shut down speech is evidence of a cover-up. And the claims I made before are evidence of election fraud. That is being weighed in the commie mind against only the narrative, okay? Their evidence is that people say there was no election fraud. There's no underlying evidence. There is, CISA said there's no election fraud. Most safe and secure election ever. Bill Barr said there's no election fraud, or at least he hadn't seen any evidence of it. And the judges in the courts said there's no election fraud, even though they absolutely didn't say that and instead dismissed the cases for things like latches and standing because they didn't want to get involved or they were incentivized not to. What we're really dealing with is a situation where the guy's telling his wife, yeah, hey, I see the picture, but that's that's not evidence of anything. And then she pulls up a uh, security camera footage from the bar, and she's like, isn't that the two of you making out in the corner? Well, you know, who can be sure? But either way, that's not evidence. I mean, I don't know if it's me. It might be me, but I, I don't know. Either way, it's not evidence, though. And then she shows you the text messages from your phone that were popping up on the computer all weekend. Hey, is this you giving that girl the address, and the number of your hotel room? Well, yeah, I was just letting her know where I was staying because she asked, but that's not evidence that anything happened. Like, there's no evidence that I slept with that girl. So did you sleep with her or not? Well, like I said, there's absolutely no evidence. If you believe someone arguing like that, you are a sucker. But fortunately, there are fewer and fewer of those sorts of suckers in our country every day because people are beginning to understand the trick that was pulled on them. And if you are one of those kinds of people, then I hope you will migrate back to America. And that's when I say I would love to extend a warm Monday, high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies! Welcome to the show, commies. Bear with me for another 45 minutes or so. You can do it. You're going to be okay. I'm going to say some things that upset you, which by now you should want to hear. You should be in the position where you're like, Honestly, just tell me all of it. Tell me everything we did wrong. I I accept it. Just tell me. 
Give it all to me so that I can work my way through it. And I'll be back tomorrow to learn what else. Because the truth is, I want to be an American again. And I know that to be an American, I have to understand how many of the things that I have done and supported and believed in over these past many years have been explicitly anti-American. You know, I kind of felt like I was doing something wrong, but like everybody agreed. And, you know, my smart friend said that that was right. And I don't know how I got here. Beautiful, Kami. That is a beautiful place to be. All right. Because the thing is, we all want you back over here. We want you back in America, so just dismiss all those stupid and evil communist ideas, abandon and disavow the party of false decorum, and move back to America. We will greet you with open arms. We will hope that you apologize and make amends where you need to, and then you can join the project that our founding fathers set out before us and try to achieve the lofty goals that they aspired to about having an open and free society that valued the individual. And that's it. It is absolutely a better place to live than the one your candidate the communist and criminal and racist Joe Biden is working toward. Joe Biden is an illegitimate president, and you should be thankful that he is, regardless of whether or not you voted for him, because his illegitimacy and the fact that it is so obvious to everyone except the most committed commies is going to be what allows us to avoid the abyss that we are tumbling into with him as the pretend leader. So a little bit long for an intro, I suppose. Apologies if you didn't like it. Can't do anything about it now, can I? Well, I could because I'm still recording, but I'm not going to. This weekend, I wrote an essay actually just yesterday. I don't know what got into me. I was on actually this this chat channel on Telegram, and it is the channel of a guy who is known as Patel Patriot. He wrote this great series called Devolution, and you can find it by searching on the info stream. And you know you can just click on the info stream, and then if you're on mobile, you just click the logo in the top right, and you can swipe down and back up, and then the uh, the little looking glass will appear, the little search icon. Just type in devolution, and you'll find it. And if you're on the desktop version of Telegram, you just click on the info stream, and then the little magnifying glass is right up in the top right. Super easy. I'm sure most of you know that, but for those who don't, there's a tutorial. And the devolution theory is the theory which is believed by quite a lot of people. And I would say that I definitely think it's possible and plausible. I don't know 100% that it's true, of course. But uh, it's the theory that describes how Trump may have been president 
the entire time in a fully legal way. Okay. And he lays out, Patel Patriot does, all of the steps and all of the legal apparatus that was put in place to make this scenario possible. But anyway, I got into a great discussion there with him and a few other people in that channel yesterday that went on for about an hour or so. And at some point, uh, Patel asked, why is it Mike Lindell who has all this information? Like it could have been anybody. Why did it end up being Lindell? And this was something that I had been thinking about for quite a while in terms of the party of false decorum and what Mike Lindell's role in this might be. And so I wrote a long essay about it. I'm going to publish probably later today on Substack. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com. So I hope you will read that. And if you enjoy it, I hope you will share it because it's the first written work I'll be publishing on the idea of the party of false decorum. And I feel like I did a pretty good job with it. I'm still waiting for some notes from some talented friends. And at that point, I will be like, okay, I got it nailed. Here we go. But I talk about all this stuff and I talk about Lindell's role and I talk about what I think of what's going to happen on the with the cyber symposium and how much Mike Lindell has been attacked. And an interesting aspect of that kind of happened over the weekend because there were some telegram channels that started posting about this idea that Mike Lindell had somehow been tricked by a man named Dennis Montgomery and that at the cyber symposium, he's going to be completely exposed and it's going to damage the Arizona audit. And because of that, Lindell should cancel the cyber symposium. It is just a comical farce of a theory, but uh, it was published in some article that I guess some like Q influencers and unknown anonymous people read and agreed with and reposted. And then Jim Watkins reposted it as well. And, you know, when it was initially posted by this guy called E, E will help you. I responded to it and I was like, yeah, man, I have different information. I think this is ridiculous. Like, that's just not true what he's saying. Lindell's information is solid. And there's a number of ways that you can know it's solid. And <laughs> he he wrote back that, like, I don't know, he's got all the information and he's the very smart one or something. Totally unrelated to the substance of what I was saying. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I mean... I guess in two and a half weeks, we'll see. I said, we'll see whose sources are better or who's telling the truth. And with that, of course, immediately banned from commenting on his channel, which is how you know someone is a responsible purveyor of information. They ban anybody who presents an opposite point. And again, I'm happy with the statement I made. One of us is going to be right or wrong. And it's possible that someone is misrepresenting themselves. Now, I can tell you I'm not misrepresenting myself. I believe that Mike Lindell has what he says he has. I go through it in the article. I've gone through it on the podcast before. But I could be wrong, okay? 
I'm not lying, could be wrong. I've said that before, too. So E could be wrong as well. But he also could be lying. He also could be just trying to take down this entire thing. And doing it with what do they call it? Uh, concern trolling, right? Well, I, I'm not saying this thing because you're bad. I'm saying it because I'm trying to help you. I'm just looking out for the Arizona auditors, and that's why I don't want Mike Lindell to show the proof of fraud in all 50 states performed by foreign actors. Oh, that's the reason. It's because you're trying to help the Arizona auditors. Well, that's strange because the Arizona auditors have the same information already in their audit. And Ken Bennett told that to us, to John Frederick specifically, on July 1st. Okay, so that is 25 days ago. The Arizona auditors have had that information for at least 25 days and probably longer. And if you're wondering about why the Arizona Board of Supervisors might be holding back on the passwords and the routers and the Splunk logs, well, that's a pretty good reason why they might be. Not sure it's the reason. Definitely possible. But you've got 25 days already, and we have another 15 days till the cyber symposium begins. You don't think the Arizona auditors have done their due diligence on what Mike Lindell has? Are you also going to imagine that Mike Lindell doesn't have access to any other routers, any other passwords, any other equipment around the country so that he could verify those? Are you going to imagine that Mike Lindell's cyber experts are either incompetent or in on it? With Dennis Montgomery, they're part of the trick. What answer is it, E? Honestly, what's the answer? How is it that you can imagine the scenario as it exists, as we know it exists, and also believe that Lindell is just a bumbling fool who has spent countless millions of dollars, thrown it down the drain, basically staked his company and his reputation and his livelihood on this information. But it's just all a trick. It's all a farce. Oh, that Dennis Montgomery, he got you. The thing is, that narrative picks up the one piece that people are like, you know, I really do wonder where Mike Lindell got this info. Doesn't matter where he got it in a key sense. I mean, maybe it will in terms of legality and court functions. But again, it's already part of the Arizona audit. So there is a court scrutinizing it. There are experts scrutinizing it right now. And if the Arizona audit has found something wrong, the auditors have found something wrong with the packet captured data. You really think they're going to let Lindell go out on stage and talk about it at the expense of their own audit? Who would believe that? Honestly, who would believe that? Now, again, I'm not shilling for Lindell. It's possible that he and everyone around him are wrong and that they got swindled somehow. I'm not an expert on 
cybersecurity or on the machines or on the algorithms or on any of it. Okay, that's not me who's going to do that work. I can't prove or disprove any of it right now, but I can tell you there is no logical reason from what we know to think that the scenario described by these people is accurate at all. And it relies on all of the people on Lindell's team either being incompetent or crazy or in on it. And I just don't see it. It's already in the Arizona audit. So anyway, I hope you'll give that a read. Now, big weekend. Donald Trump spoke at a Turning Point Action Conference on Saturday. I guess they had about 5,000 people there, but there were people all around the venue outside, like just lines circling the block, which is about as many people as Joe Biden would attract in five plus years, let's say, of nonstop events. <laughs> it's more people that then could fit inside 20 circles. And so Trump was down there in Arizona speaking a lot about the Arizona audits, providing a bunch of support for the leaders, the people who have taken charge in pushing for the full forensic audits of the entire state of the entire nation, pushing to get all the subpoenaed materials from the board of supervisors and the people like Wendy Rogers, who are now just actively calling for decertification. And of course, decertification is entirely appropriate at best, at best, the results in Arizona are doubtful at best. If you're straight shooting and not hedging like that, you can just say there is clear and obvious evidence of fraud. The evidence is irrefutable, and that's why the Board of Supervisors has done such a piss-poor job of pretending to refute it. And in a situation like that, no one in the state of Arizona should feel comfortable that those in charge went and certified that election. And it's not just Trump. It's down-ballot races all over the place. They are going to know, and we are going to know really soon. We're talking about the next week or two. We're going to get the final results of that audit. It's coming. It's coming in early to mid-August. And you would think that it will come out before the cyber symposium. Again, these people are not just morons. You know, we get the news sporadically. We get a little from Lindell's team. We get a little from Arizona, a little from Georgia, a little from Pennsylvania. Right. But that's not actually how it's happening. These aren't just like these uh, disconnected and sporadic events. There is an overall picture, an overall shape of things to come in America. And that picture is being built off all of these sporadic events. OK, there is an overall strategy going on here. And that strategy is to make sure that we audit the entire country. And that we go by the legitimate results, what the people actually voted for. That's the goal. And that goal is happening outside of Lindell or just Arizona or just anything else. Okay. Arizona 
is not going to allow all these months of hard work and people standing up for the truth to be blown up by Mike Lindell getting tricked by Dennis Montgomery. And again, hey, Arizona could find something wrong with Mike Lindell's data, and then they would certainly tell him that before he goes out on stage and shows it to everybody. But that hasn't happened yet, and they have Lindell's data, and they are looking at Lindell's data. Arizona is doing Arizona. Everybody knows how it's gone so far. We have hints about what final numbers would be, how many ballots are missing, things like that. But we don't know yet. We will know, and we will know soon. Again, I said three or four weeks ago when I first saw that, whatever it was, 25 days ago, when I saw that interview with Ken Bennett and John Fredericks, I believe this process is farther along behind the scenes than it is to us. The packet captures are in a court case. If they are fully verified by the time Lindell goes out on stage, what do you think that means? People don't believe that Lindell's going to be able to bring a quo warranto to the Supreme Court and have the Supreme Court hear the case. Okay, believe what you like. But how are they going to deny it when they know that that information has already been validated by another court. What can they do at that point? I think Lindell is right. I could be wrong. Lindell could be wrong. But I think he's right. And I think we should assume that until we hear, perhaps, something out of Arizona that disputes that. So let's hear from Trump. It was the most corrupt, dishonest, and unfair election in the history of our country. The Democrats know it. The corrupt media, right back there, a lot of people, they know it. Big Tech knows it. And most importantly, we, the American people, know it. You see, here's the thing. Trump won by a lot. And Trump knows that. Are we supposed to believe that Trump doesn't know? Trump doesn't know whether or not Mike Lindell is telling the truth. He just didn't bother to check. The president of the United States believes that his election was stolen from him. And someone he knows claims to have hard, irrefutable evidence that the election was stolen from him. And he did so six and a half months ago. He made that claim. And the whole time, the president of the United States didn't bother to find out whether or not Mike Lindell is right. Really? Donald Trump, who is pushing for forensic audits around the country so that we can find out if there is any integrity to American elections whatsoever. He didn't bother finding out whether or not Mike Lindell was correct. Why do I have to believe that, commies? And who am I calling commies? Well, people that post real dumb shit. 
that makes other people blackpill. And, you know, I think everybody should form their own beliefs. If you believe what E is saying, by all means, go with it. But there's no reason to believe that that random account whose claim to fame was once being retweeted by Donald Trump has some special information about Dennis Montgomery tricking Mike Lindell. And that's the claim. Mike Lindell, he didn't do the background work at all. No one warned him. No one from Trump's team warned him. No one from Rudy to Sidney Powell to anyone else. No one warned him. It's weird, isn't it, that the media and people like E will help you spend their time attacking Dennis Montgomery, even though Mike Lindell says he has multiple sources for the information he has, okay? Multiple sources. But they want to take down Dennis Montgomery because Dennis Montgomery is somehow tricking Mike Lindell. Or Dennis Montgomery even being attached to anything would be so unbelievable that the case would fall apart. What world do these people live in? The information is either true or it's not true. It doesn't matter who gave it to Mike Lindell. If it's real information, if he has what he says he has, if it shows what he says it shows, then what he said was true. It doesn't matter where it came from. Oh, it came from a no-no person. So I, I can see that it is entirely true. But because it came from the no-no person, now the information is invalid. You've tainted it. You've tainted my information. If that's how you think, go back to being a commie. Please. But back to POTUS Actual. A lot of them are very good people, and they say, well, sir, uh, we have to get on to the future. Let me tell you, you're not going to have a future. First of all, our nation is being destroyed, but you're not going to have a future in 22 or 24 if you don't find out how they cheated with hundreds of thousands and even millions of votes because you won't win anything. You won't win anything. And, of course, he's right about that. And if you have kind of a holistic picture of what election fraud has done in this country and what the purpose is, as far as the Uniparty is concerned, then you'll understand that Trump is right. OK, it's not just about Democrats or Republicans. It's easy to say and easy to think that the election fraud game is a Democrat Communist Party game. OK, and primarily that's where it is. But it's not only there. All right. There are Republicans in that uniparty system who benefit and who stay in office because elections can be stolen. And I'm looking at Mitch McConnell and I'm looking at Lindsey Graham. These guys who have been in for decades, even though they're not serving their people. There's a reason why politicians Win and win and win and win. So the proper picture isn't simply saying that no Republicans will win in 2022 or 2024 if elections aren't fixed. 
they would probably even allow enough Republicans to win to put the control back in the Republican side of the Uniparty, just so that everybody will believe the results that they give us. Well, yeah, we knew the Republicans were going to have a big win, and there it is, and okay, now they've got that stuff. I guess we can't have $5 trillion to fund money laundering and communist projects like the Green New Deal. But what they really want beyond the communist projects and beyond the Democrats in office, what they really want is for the system of election fraud to be preserved because that is how they retain control and that's how they make sure the people cannot take back control. They're trying to preserve the system. And yes, there are probably some figures within that system who they have to protect, like Nancy Pelosi, like Mitch McConnell, like Chuck Schumer, and like the corrupt representatives from the election fraud hotbeds, like Maxine Waters in South Los Angeles, opening up all of her constituents to having their votes stolen year after year after year after year after year. Maxine Waters has done nothing to improve South Los Angeles, but she does keep getting elected. Why? We're told it's because she's black and the black voters vote for the black lady, even though the black lady hasn't fixed anything ever. She's been in office for decades. She's done nothing. She goes out and she promotes riots and street violence and political violence. She does do that. But she doesn't fix South Los Angeles. She doesn't make the lives of her constituents better. How is that that she keeps getting elected? Are her constituents stupid? Are they ignorant? I don't think they are. I think that they are part of this abusive system that systematically steals their votes and puts representatives in place who will not represent them, who will just stay there so that their votes can continue to be stolen. And we're going to find that out in Philadelphia. We're going to find it out in Detroit and Atlanta. We know where the hotbeds are, where the Democrats get their wins, where they run up their national popular vote margin. We're going to get to see all that. If Lindell's right, we're going to see it very soon. And that's going to cause big problems. But some Republicans winning in 2022 or 2024 is not proof that the election system isn't a fraud, okay? Just like Republicans winning and adding seats in the House and not getting crushed in the Senate, that's not proof that the election was legitimate either. It is not about Democrat or Republican. It's about whether or not the uniparty members get to stay in power and that the system of election fraud is preserved. And so that's what needs to be dismantled. 2022, 2024, they don't mean anything if the system of election fraud is still in place. And Trump released a statement about that this morning. He said, Senate Republicans are being absolutely savaged by Democrats on the so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill. Mitch McConnell and his small group of rhinos wants nothing more than to get a deal done at any cost to prove that he can work with the radical left Democrats. It is so important to him that he is agreeing to almost anything. 
Don't do the infrastructure deal. Wait until after we get proper election results in 2022 or otherwise and regain a strong negotiating stance. Republicans, don't let the radical left play you for weak fools and losers. And he's 100 percent right. The idea that any Republican in the country is working with the Democrats at all right now. Is insane. The Republicans doing that are quite clearly not on the side of the American people. Okay, the election was illegitimate. Anyone close to that situation knows it. Do not give them the benefit of the doubt any longer. There is ample proof. Their voters want it investigated to figure out if that ample proof also applies to where they vote. That is an entirely reasonable concern. That is a very important concern for most voters in the country. That's the number one concern. Because what can you have if you can't vote? You don't have anything. And if you're playing into that system as a Republican in office right now, then your loyalty has to be questioned. The Democrats have at least five senators in office right now who did not win in 2020. That's a fact. Whether or not the public knows it yet, they will soon enough. But that's a fact. There should be no conversation about this $5 trillion fake infrastructure package. Now, I want to switch to COVID stuff for just a second because some states are gearing up to mandate vaccinations for public employees. Uh, Bill de Blasio just announced that today for New York City employees, including policemen and firemen. And the corrupt communist governor of California for the next few weeks, at least, Gavin Newsom, is trying to mandate the vaccine for public employees and requiring them to go on a testing regimen if they choose not to. And places are reinstituting mask policies. Los Angeles did that last week. Austin, Texas went up to their next tier, which means that people should use masks to prevent the spread of the very scary variant. And you know that lockdowns are going to be the next step. Anthony Fauci is talking about mask mandates, and he's talking about weighing in on the CDC's next guidance, which will be treated by communists as the new law, because the science says so. And I wouldn't be surprised to hear Jen Psaki and the fake administration begin floating the idea of a nationwide mask mandate, which they have absolutely no authority to do. And the red state governors will obviously contest that strongly, I imagine. But I want to talk about masks again. I mean, there is no information anywhere in the world that lockdowns work. There is also no information anywhere in the world that masks or mask mandates work. And there is virtually no physical possibility that they even could. Okay. Now, the N95 mask properly worn could conceivably, conceivably prevent viral spread in certain situations. Okay. 
but no one wears N95 masks properly out in the world. If you look at the way you're supposed to properly wear an N95 mask, for a man, you are supposed to be clean shaven so that the mask can fit more snugly on your face. It has to be fitted onto your face, essentially. And simply having scruff or a beard makes that impossible. So right there, if you see a man with facial hair who's wearing an N95 mask, you can safely assume that that man is one of the dumbest people in the world and that if somehow we emerged from all this into a state of chaos, that man would be among the first to die. (laughs) Honestly, I mean, judgment that bad is how you get killed or simply left behind on the side of the road by people who are trying to actually survive. You would be a dead weight on any group, really. So that one's right out, right? People don't wear the N95s properly. If they are wearing them properly and not reusing them and not touching them and not pulling them down to eat and not taking them off at the restaurant and then putting them back on or somehow unbelievably working out in them, going running in them, then you're not getting any help from the N95. Okay. Now the other masks have absolutely no physical way to help you. And that is obviously true. Also, if you're like me, and didn't wear those stupid masks unless you had to on a plane or you had to do it to go to the grocery store like I had to do when I was in communist California, I would wrap a bandana around my face and I would go in and I would take it off as I was walking out because those don't do anything and that's obvious. What could be more obvious than the fact that a bandana that does not seal to your face at all, provides absolutely no protection whatsoever from any viral spread. But the little cloth masks that wrap around your ears, they don't do it either, all right? And you know that masks don't work because they allow you to wear the bandana, which no one believes will work. So just the fact that they allow that proves that they don't actually care about preventing viral spread. They just want everyone to comply and to physically signal their compliance so that other people can see it. They also want to create a system where the communists can shame and punish and attack non-communists. And one more thing. Let's all remember that Anthony Fauci said on television on 60 Minutes, I think on February 29th of 2020. And he also has said in his FOIA emails, which we have now seen, that masks do not work. All right? There's no reason for anyone to be wearing a mask. And he knows the reasons. Let's not pretend that Anthony Fauci is unaware of the truth of the things I just said. He only ever says, well, you know, you could catch a stray droplet. And it's better to be safe than sorry. Just every little bit helps. It's not a big deal, so wear the mask. Wear it out of respect. 
And when he's asked about this fact and asked about the fact that now he says that masks work and they work so well that we should put them on our children, where even according to the Journal of the American Medical Association, they're actually quite harmful to children. He still pretends they work. And he says that the reason he lied about it initially was that he was trying to preserve PPE for the healthcare workers. Okay. But the thing is, those cloth masks and those bandanas that you see everybody wearing aren't actually PPE. They're not up to any standard that would help healthcare workers. Also, there was no run on those things. All right. If I can put a bandana around my face or a T-shirt around my face, then I'm not doing anything and everyone knows it. But those things existed despite any need for PPP. In fact, if those things actually worked, then those could have been used as PPP. But of course they can't. And there was never any run on those. So if they did work, Anthony Fauci could have said at that time, you know, these certain masks, we need to save these for healthcare workers. But for the rest of you, go ahead and wrap a bandana around your face or get one of those cheap little cloth masks from China and put that on your face because that will help. All right. So even his lie and his excuse are lies. Masks don't work. Masks can't work. There's no proof anywhere of masks working. And if you find one of those studies that say masks do work, I can guarantee you that experts have gone through those studies and taken them apart completely. Just like Ramin Askui and a bunch of other doctors did with the CDC study on mask mandates that was said to show that the mask mandates were effective, but it turns out they weren't effective at all. There was no statistical significance to the results the study showed. That's not how the media talked about the study. They said the study showed a benefit. They were lying. There is no proof that masking does anything. Do not comply. Do not allow these people to control you again. All right. Changing subjects once again. There are two stories that came out basically within the same hour this morning. And they kind of sit on top of the narrative that has been building about the government working in conjunction with the tech companies to track and censor the speech of American citizens. And I don't think that these will ever get up to the point where they are the problem that they could be. I believe that we will rectify these situations, but it's going to take some work and we're going to have to get the election fraud stuff straightened out. All of this change needs to be made concurrently. So the two stories are these. The first one is that the Anti-Defamation League has formed a partnership with PayPal. And they released a statement this morning. PayPal partners with ADL to fight extremism and protect marginalized communities. Okay? 
PayPal Holdings, in partnership with the Anti-Defamation League, today announced a new partnership to fight extremism and hate through the financial industry and across at-risk communities. This is the latest effort by PayPal in combating racism, hate, and extremism across its platforms and the industry. Oh, thank goodness PayPal's doing that. Through this collaboration, PayPal and the ADL have launched a research effort to address the urgent need to understand how extremist and hate movements through the U.S. are attempting to leverage financial platforms to fund criminal activity. The intelligence gathered through this research initiative will be shared broadly across the financial industry and with policymakers and law enforcement. I wonder what they count as extremism. Good question, isn't it? By identifying partners across sectors with common goals and complementary resources, we can make an even greater impact than any of us could do on our own, said Aaron Karksmer, chief risk officer and executive vice president of risk and platforms at PayPal. We are excited to partner with the ADL, other nonprofits and law enforcement in our fight against hate in all its forms. I hope they look to Black Lives Matter and Antifa first. The initiative with PayPal will be led through ADL's Center on Extremism, a leading authority on extremism, terrorism, and hate. PayPal and ADL will focus on further uncovering and disrupting the financial pipelines that support extremist and hate movements. And, you know, all of us are supposed to think, oh, they must be talking about January 6th. They must be talking about the Proud Boys and, what is it, the Three Percenters and the Oath Keepers. All of these organizations have FBI agents and informants in the operations and running the operations. And we know that now. So what extremism are they targeting? What they are really targeting is speech. And anyone who intersects any of these people in any way. That's the problem. The problem is always the next step. Hey, we found out someone from an extremist organization is in your telegram chat. So I guess you're an extremist and now we're going to cut off your financial resources. That should be how we understand this. And I'm going to read some more quotes from this article. All of us, including the private sector, have a critical role to play in fighting the spread of extremism and hate. With this new initiative, we're setting a new standard for companies to bring their expertise to critical social issues, said Jonathan Greenblatt, CEO of the Anti-Defamation League. We have a unique opportunity to further understand how hate spreads and develop key insights that will inform the efforts of the financial industry, law enforcement, and our communities in mitigating extremist threats. The innovative partnership between ADL and PayPal encourages us to think outside the box when fighting evil, said Cindy Benavides, CEO of LULAC, which is the... League of United Latin American Citizens. Hmm. Interesting name. Haven't heard that group before. Let me just type in League of United Latin American Citizens into a non-Google search engine and follow it with the words Open Society Foundation. What do we have? Oh, we have another organization funded by George Soros. So PayPal and the Anti-Defamation League are working with George Soros, 
a man who literally claimed not to be Jewish while he stood aside and let his neighbors be pushed onto train cars to head to the concentration camps. PayPal, ADL, and the League of United Latin American Citizens, funded by George Soros, are now combined to decide whether or not Americans are expressing the proper views to be allowed to exchange money with one another. That's a real shocker, isn't it? And we just heard about another Soros organization this weekend, which we should expect to hear a lot more from. It's called Color of Change. They might as well just be honest and call it Color Revolution. But what else do we have today? Oh, this is from Reuters. Facebook and tech giants to target attacker manifestos, far-right militias in a database. A counterterrorism organization formed by some of the biggest tech companies, including Facebook and Microsoft, is significantly expanding the type of types of extremist content shared between firms in a key database, aiming to crack down on material from white supremacists and far-right militias, the group told Reuters. Until now, the Global Internet Forum to Counter Terrorism's database has focused on videos and images from terrorist groups on a United Nations list and has and so has largely consisted of content from Islamist extremist organizations such as Islamic State, Al Qaeda and the Taliban. Over the next few months, the group will add attacker manifestos often shared by sympathizers after white supremacist violence and other publications and links flagged by the U.N. initiative Tech Against Terrorism. It will use lists from intelligence-sharing group Five Eyes, adding URLs and PDFs from more groups, including the Proud Boys, the Three Percenters, and Neo-Nazis. The firms, which include Twitter and Alphabet Incorporated's YouTube, share hashes, unique numerical representations of original pieces of content that have been removed from their services. Other platforms use these to identify the same content on their own sites in order to review or remove it. While the project helps combat extremist content on mainstream platforms, groups can still post violent images and rhetoric on many other sites and parts of the Internet. The tech group wants to combat a wider range of threats, said GIFCT's executive director, Nicholas Rasmussen, in an interview with Reuters. Anyone looking at the terrorism or extremism landscape has to appreciate that there are other parts that are demanding attention right now, Rasmussen said, citing the threats of far right or racially motivated violent extremism. But how much of that do we really have? It gets talked about an awful lot. Does anyone remember the last time there was an actual incident of it? We were told that the shooting spree at the Asian massage parlors back in, I think it was probably February or March, was anti-Asian violence, but it turned out not to be. We're told that January 6th was somehow a white supremacist attack, but we know that that was guided by the FBI in conjunction with these groups. And now, whether or not those groups actually do share reprehensible beliefs is not what we should be focused on, okay? We can disavow all their beliefs to any length the mainstream would like us to, and that's not going to stop those people from having those beliefs. Those beliefs would likely fade into irrelevance, and those groups would probably do nothing 
if the FBI and other intelligence organizations weren't infiltrating them and sparking the events. And we know that's true. We saw it at the very deadly invasion of the Michigan Capitol last year. We saw it in the very kidnappy plot to take the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. Isn't it interesting that those two events both happened in Michigan? And then we saw basically a replay of the Michigan Capitol event at the nation's capital on January 6th with the same players and the same groups involved. Do we all have to pretend we're stupid? Is that what we are supposed to think? Oh, yeah, it's probably just us that's dumb. The media's probably got this one right. How many times do we need to pretend that the propaganda state media somehow has this one right? Well, yeah, they've probably got that one right. And I'm just going to go with that because I can't say anything bad about this project because they're trying to take out racism. And I don't like racism, so I better shut my mouth about this. That's how we are being abused by this system and by this propaganda. Okay, you got to speak up. If white supremacy and violent white supremacist terrorism was an issue in this country, everyone would know it and there would be no doubts about it. Okay. But these people are few and far between. All right. They're not these evil geniuses setting up these incredible operations with all of these skills. They're being guided by federal intelligence agencies to do these things. But the narrative around it and our failure to resist that narrative is what's allowing the most powerful organizations in the world to seize more power. All right. And I just want to end with this. All right. I was thinking about this this morning because, you know, some people, I'm not saying they're fully black pill, but they're very frustrated. All right. And I understand the frustration. I really do. But if you are that frustrated person and you are not speaking up and speaking out, at least to your community around you, because you're scared of what they're going to say, or you're scared that your position in that social circle will be threatened. Honestly, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? And what is the criteria that's functioning here? All right. You're frustrated. You think everything is going downhill. You think that it's going to be too late really soon. Like if we don't get this all settled in the next few weeks, the whole world's going to end. The whole country's going to end at some point. It's going to take too long. And then we just lose. All right. That's a position a lot of people have. And I'm not saying I don't sympathize with it. All right. I don't agree with it. Nothing could be more obvious if you've listened to any of my podcast ever. I don't agree with it, but I do sympathize with it and I do understand it. Except you have to know that if you think we are actually on that path and we are going to run out of time and you still are not speaking up for yourself and up for the people in your community that don't have the courage to speak, then you're basically saying that at some point you yourself are willing to submit, you are willing to comply, and that your primary motivation right now is to be okay in that dystopian future. All right? Because your silence and your complicity are increasing the possibility 
the probability that that dystopian future will indeed emerge. All right. You need to speak up. You need to speak out. You need to learn truth, understand truth and spread truth. That's how we avoid the dystopian future. It's not some prize to be okay for a little while longer in that landscape. The prize is making sure that scenario never comes to be. All right. So I'm going to share the article I wrote probably later today or early tomorrow on my Substack. That's I'm your moderator.substack.com. It will also appear in the info stream t.me slash I'm your moderator. Get the telegram app. Find me there. And please, if you like the podcast, share the podcast. We got to get these messages out. If you think what I say is important, then share it. If you think it has the power to convince people, then share it. Okay. It's not about me getting attention. It's about the message being understood because it is all of our responsibility to ensure that the number of people whose brains are going to break when they learn the truth is as small as possible. We need to get those people back on board with the American project. All right. They will be our allies eventually. That's what redeemable communists are. They're future allies. We don't need to punish them. We need to find a way to bring them back into the fold, allow them to be redeemed and move on with this project that is America. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. That thing is moderator.
In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!